what I do. I love the people that I work with. I love the difference I get to make in people's lives. I love the challenges that we face. It's a great place to be because life, business has challenges. It's great to be at a place though where you can be supported, embraced, and encouraged, and be given the help and tools and skills to get through it. The district managers in our company, they're creating opportunities for people that are changing lives and making such a big difference. I thank God every day that I'm here. I can't imagine what my life would be like had I taken a different path. The voice you just heard is Lloyd Reagan, who simply put, is one of the most respected individuals I've ever met. Throughout his life and career, Lloyd has encountered some incredibly difficult challenges, the kind that would derail most people. But every time he's been knocked down, Lloyd has not only gotten back up, but has conquered his challenges and won. He's a winner in business with multiple championships and a winner in life with a beautiful family and lifestyle. I count myself as one of his greatest admirers. This is the compelling story of Lloyd's evolution in the Cutco Vector business. In hearing Lloyd's story, my hope is that you can catch yourself thinking, why me, when any difficulty arises in your life, and instead can have the inspiration and drive to go from victim to victor, much as Lloyd has done. This is our champion region executive for the past six consecutive years, Lloyd Reagan. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast. We are live today with Lloyd Reagan. Lloyd is the Southwest Region Manager for Vector Marketing and Cutco. Southwest Region has been the number one region in the company every year since 2014. And so Lloyd is one of the all-time greats in company history. He has five kids, has an exciting lifestyle in Austin, Texas with his wife, Tammy, and their family. I'm very excited to have Lloyd as a guest on the podcast today. Welcome, Lloyd. And let's just start by hearing a little bit about how you got started with Cutco and Vector. Sure. Well, you know, I guess it started when I was in high school and my dad had, uh, he had, had a very successful business back in the eighties here in Texas. He was involved with, uh, savings and loans and, and banking and real estate, oil, gas, all those big booming things of the eighties back here in, uh, Texas. And we went through a major, uh, implosion and all those markets crashed. And, uh, we went from, uh, 
living a very lavish lifestyle to literally all of that going away almost overnight. Uh, and the choice of working during school or going to college became a choice I never had to face. Uh, as a matter of fact, I wasn't really looking for work before that time. And uh, the reality came that uh, the money was gone. It wasn't coming back. And if it was uh, gonna, I was going to go to college, I was going to have to pay for it. So it was time to go find work. And, uh, you know, I went out there trying to look for work. I didn't have any real work experience. I had never been employed anywhere before. I had done other jobs. I had made money mowing yards. I had started uh, other businesses because my dad always taught me growing up. He's like, you know, you should just work for yourself, make more, way more money than uh, taking an hourly job. And uh, So I didn't have any actual corporate experience, uh, so to speak of. So I went out interviewing and none of those things really worked out. And the jobs I was applying for weren't really jobs that were going to I was going to make enough money to pay for anything anyway. I mean, making a little over minimum wage and whatever those jobs are for a high school kid just wasn't, uh, wasn't going to take care of college. So my motivation wasn't very high to, to really follow up. So my dad decided to help me one day uh, in his own creative way. He came home and he said, hey, Lloyd, uh, got something in the car. I think it's going to help you find a job. I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll get it later. He goes, no, I can't wait. You really need to go get it right now. You can't just, you know, keep it in the car out there. You can't, you got to get out now. I was like, all right. And I went outside and of course in the driveway was this black Porsche with a big bow on it. And it's like, Hey man, that's yours. I'm like, sweet. We're back in the money. I don't need to get a job. This is greatness. I, you know, took off in the car, picked up all my friends, thought it was the greatest thing in the whole world. I was so fired up. And, uh, about a week later, Dad says, "Hey, how's the car?" I was like, "Oh my gosh, it's the greatest! This is the coolest thing ever." He's like, "How's job hunting going?" I was like, "Oh, well, you know, I've been busy. I haven't really." I've been looking. He goes, "Well, listen." He goes, "I'm glad you like the car because uh, uh, you got a car payment coming up in about three weeks." <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, what are you talking about?" He's like, "Yeah, uh, I, I thought this was a gift." He goes, "It is a gift, and so is the car payment." I was like, "Dad, I can't. I can't. There's no way I can't cover." Uh, this poor car payment plus the insurance was outrageous. I was like, there's no way. And he goes, well, I mean, if you, you know, we always, I said, in case you didn't want it, we could always take it back. And I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. And so obviously I got motivated to uh, try to find something. What was, so ironically, somebody went and did a demo for my aunt, a Cutco demo. And she reached out to my mom and just said, hey, this kid came by and he was selling knives. He's making all this money. And man, I think this is something maybe you should talk to Lloyd about. So no, he's trying to find something, you know, uh, to, uh, to pay for college and, and take care of his, his car and everything else. So my mom said, hey, this kid's making money. You want to call him, see what he's doing? You know, he's selling knives. I was like, oh, that's the dumbest thing ever. I, I'm not selling knives. And just kind of let it go. But after getting my head, you know, beat in and, and ripped off at these scammo companies and all these too good to be true things. And I was pretty desperate at that point. It's like, Hey, you still got that guy's phone number. And so I called him up and, uh, he gave me the number to the office. I called in and, uh, got the interview, you know, long story short, I, I, I got the knife selling job and I came home and I'm all excited. I told my dad, dad, I got this knife selling job. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to make all this money. I'm going to be able to keep the car. I'm going to be able to pay for college. This is like the greatest thing ever. And my dad, of course, I'm thinking he's he's going to be like, this is great. And he looks right in the eye and goes, son, everybody's got knives. 
everybody's got knives. <laughs> no one is going to buy these knives. This is just another ripoff. Anyway, I showed up to training. I was scared to death, you know, and I'm just thinking, how is this going to happen? Well, I launched some training. I tried to do demos to all my dad's side of the family. I have no sales to every single one of them. Now, my greatest fears are coming true. I'm thinking, I am getting scammed. I'm not going to make any money. None of this is going to happen. I'm telling my dad, but I'm going to at least make the, the minimum. Dad, I'm still going to make things like, no one's going to pay you minimum. It's, you've got to sell knives. Nobody's buying these knives. You need to go find another job. When I was your age, I worked three jobs. And, you know, you get out there and do jobs if you have to, whatever. You know, you got to find a way. I was like, Dad, I can do this. I, I really, I'm thinking that this, I really believe in this. So, I finally see my grandmother on my mom's side who buys my first order. And she's a widower and did not need any knives, you know, but loved the knives. Most importantly, she loved me and she believed in me. And that was the thing that gave me that, that extra boost and my manager's confidence just continuing to say, you can do this. You can do this. And I give up on me because I was ready to give up. And uh, that's what I love about Vector. I mean, you know, just that constant support uh, and belief, you know, when you don't know if you can do it, when you're feeling, you know, the pressures from family or from the world saying you can't do it or insecurities. I mean, all those things I was experiencing. And of course, it all worked out. I ended up, uh, you know, being one of the top sales reps in our office. And uh, that opened up the doors to uh, future opportunities with us. And that, that was, uh, I never thought I was going to sell knives from that to one heck of a ride. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, I've, I've heard so many times from successful people about how it was somebody else that was part of the office or the manager that provided them that encouragement and that, that, you know, helped keep them going when they might not have been able to, to continue going. And there's so many examples of that in our lives. It's also interesting that you're the son of a entrepreneur, business owner, yes. dad, we have that in common. And, you know, my dad, it was a whole lot different. He wasn't involved in like oil and gas and savings and loans and things like that. He was a bricklayer, but he decided to start his own, you know, masonry company. Right. Uh, so he worked for himself. And so I got to see that, that same example of somebody working for themselves. And I think that might be that entrepreneurial spirit is probably something that was in our, in our blood early on. When did you decide that this is something you wanted to stick with and do longer term? So, you know, it's funny. So my dad, of course, his tune changed dramatically once I started making sales and, and actually got paychecks and I kept the Porsche. I was able to pay my way through college, which was awesome because, you know, dad's business never turned back around. And uh, so therefore, I did have to pay my way through school. It was awesome because I was able to pay for college, not just pay for college debt free, but you know, I had savings. And, and there were a lot of opportunities that were emerging for me as I was wrapping up my college career. And, you know, I think at that point, I and you, made, went to, you went to UT Austin. Is that right? I did. I did. My dad said to me, he goes, he goes, well, you need to steal everything you can from this company. He goes, they have a success model. That's like none other. He said, you need to steal everything and take it all so that you can duplicate that someday in your own business. And he said, get everything you can from this. And, and so that's, that was my mentality throughout nearly my entire college uh, time selling Cutco and working here and moving into management. I got a chance to be assistant manager. I got a chance to run a couple of branch offices, which was incredible. And so it was time to kind of make that decision. And it just made sense. At that time, that voice in my head, my dad saying, hey, if you ever take a real job, if you ever take an hourly 
job, a salaried job, then you will work for a paycheck the rest of your life. He said, if you built your own business, he said, you'll never go to work the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. And that really resonated with me. And my whole goal was to be an entrepreneur like my dad. He was by my idol, looked up to him. I saw the success that he had had and all those things. But I'd also learned through my time with Vector now being nearly, at that point, nearly five years in uh, with company. I, I learned so much more about myself and about life. It was so much more than just making money. It was so much more than just climbing to the top and making it you know, to the top. Uh, that it was even more so about making a difference than just making it to the top. I mean, like I watched my dad and he had all these, this great success and he had all these things, but when he lost it all, there was nothing really left. It was devastating. Uh, he just kind of self-destructed because so much of his value, so much of what he associated himself with, with what he had accomplished or his wealth. And that wasn't attractive in the same way anymore. Yet there were great leaders in this company who, you know, had built these great relationships, who had all these people they had mentored, had all these things that people looked up to them for things other than just their money and their success. And that was very attractive. And I wanted to give that back. I wanted to, you know, be like them. And I started having new models, new role models, new heroes, new things that that I hadn't been exposed to. And so this was the place I felt was the place for me. And uh, so I made a commitment to be a district manager. And I did that for several years. And uh, I thought, well, I'll see where that takes me. So that was kind of the, the, the point there. Who were some of those initial role models for you? Well, for me, it's my district manager, for sure. I mean, the district managers in our company, they're, they're creating opportunities for people that are changing lives and making such a big difference. And my district manager, Mark Caruza, he was an uh, outstanding leader. I mean, he just... He had a zeal for, for life. He had uh, a passion for uh, helping others. And uh, he was a student of life and of business. And he just taught me so many valuable lessons. I just was able to carry on and, and share with others and apply to my life that, I mean, I thank God every day that, uh, that I'm here. I can't imagine what my life would be like had I taken a, a different path. And uh, it's been amazing. I, I met my wife here, and of course, five kids, and uh, a great, uh, you know, great lifestyle. And, and I've just got a slew of people that I work with and that I work for that I have just such a great deal of respect for. And, uh, and I love what I do. I, I haven't gone to work since I started with Vector. So that's, that's so cool to hear Lloyd. That really is, you know, I, I remember that, uh, that Jim Ronism that, you know, we become the average of the, the five people we hang out around the most and you being able to hang out around Mark Caruza at an early period of your life, I'm sure was just huge in shaping your beliefs, your attitude, your expectations, your skills, your goals. I feel the same way about, you know, my original division and region manager. Filippo Mancini was my original mm-hmm. division manager and Bruce Goodman, who we, we both now uh, work for or report to and, and Vector was my original region manager. And, and like you said, there were things about them that I wanted to be like, I wanted to aspire to. Sure. That was always something that uh, was part of what kept me around. So uh, uh, in those early days, now in your early part of your career, you became a single dad. 
right? Addison came into yes. your life and that yes. was a very instrumental part of your life and career. And I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about uh, the story of uh, Addison coming into your life and where that was. Yes, yes. So I'd only been a district manager for about a year. So I'm just, you know, fresh out of college and uh, just at that point, just now figuring out how to run the business and uh, find some success here. And yes, so, uh, you know, to my surprise, I realized that uh, I was going to potentially be a single parent. And uh, honestly, that was uh, a shock and it was uh, a lot to take in at that moment. In addition to that, the, uh, the mother uh, also made the decision that she still had college to finish up and she had different plans for her life other than being a single mom. And so there were some tough choices to be made. In addition to that, you, there were complications with pregnancy. Uh, we had a doctor, you know, the doctors realized that uh, there were anomalies and that, you know, our baby was going to have some disorders that could be life-threatening, uh, that she may not survive the birth. And if she did, the complications could be severe enough that uh, there may not be much quality of life. Hmm. And the doctor was even, you know, highly pressing that we should look at uh, alternatives. And uh, that was a really heavy, heavy time. Those, those were decisions at my early 20s that uh, were much more difficult and heavier to, to take on than uh, my norm, which was like, you know, uh, what was going to happen to lunch? You know, so right, right. there, uh, of course, we're going to fight through this. We're going we're gonna to see this through. And, uh, of course, you know, when it came time for Addison to be born, there was, uh, there, I mean, obviously it was a scary day. She had a condition called gastroschisis, and, uh, which is where basically the umbilical cord doesn't attach all the way. And so there's a hole in the abdomen. And so what happens is as the baby's developing, there's the, all of their internal organs basically come on the outside of the, of the body. So when they're born, all the insides are on the outside. And so it's an emergency surgery. The moment the child's born that has to put it, basically it all back together. <laughs> so there's a lot of risk, a lot of, uh, trauma that, that, you know, it's, it's tough to survive, not to mention the risk of infections and everything else that come along with that. And this wasn't that common of a procedure, at least where we are. And there weren't a lot of doctors in our area that had ever even uh, dealt with this. But miraculously, there happened to be when Addison decided to come a German specialist that was in Austin on tour, basically. And they reached out to him and he specializes in this particular surgery. Wow. It's just crazy. So yeah, you know, after seven or eight hours of, uh, well, after obviously a, a dramatic, uh, birthing experience and a team of doctors and all kinds of things and a nail biting, stressful seven or eight hour surgery, you know, as survived that surgery and uh, went on to go into the uh, uh, neonatal intensive care unit where she continued to fight uh, for the next six weeks. Uh, and there were a lot of touch and go times through that point. And of course, you learn a lot being in the NICU 
you know, with other parents whose kids are fighting for their lives every day and some winning, some losing. And uh, it was, uh, it was a crazy time. As you can imagine, this is all while you're a relatively new manager trying to run your office, manage yeah. staff. Totally. Totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, you're, you're working late, you're going to the hospital and staying at the hospital to wee hours and, you know, trying to spend the time you can, you know, during every moment that you can uh, through the process. And then, of course, you know, through God's grace, she came, she, she made it through and was able to come home after about six weeks. Uh, and that's when the real reality sat in. It's like, wow, okay, now I'm raising a child with some complications and some special circumstances uh, and trying to run the business, you know, as a single parent. Yeah, and, Addison's, uh, mom, it was a crazy. Addison's mom decided she just didn't want to be involved in, in the picture. So, you know, we made a joint decision that, you know, since this wasn't lining up with the things that she needed right now, that I ran my own business, I had flexibility of, uh, of hours and, you know, had the, the, the resources that I uh, felt to be able to handle being able to do this. Uh, and so that was kind of how it was going to work. And so, yeah, so I just, you know, remember the reality of that, leaving that hospital the first day, I'm like, I'm trying to put the car seat in for the first time, you know, you know, she's coming out, she's got heart monitors, all these wires. And, you know, you have to remember, this is, this is 26 years ago. So, you know, you have to, you know, we didn't have cell phones or if we did, they were, you know, they were this big, you know, so you can imagine what it's like a heart monitor has like, you know, this straps that you put on like a backpack. I mean, it looked like, it looked like I was a Sherpa, you know, coming out with, you know, backpacks and bags and gear and all the stuff that this young child needed. And, uh, you know, it was an ordeal. I mean, as you can just imagine just trying to, uh, adapt to being single dad, but also all the extra responsibilities because she was a child that needed constant, uh, supervision. So I just remember, you know, that first day loading up, taking like two hours you know, to get out of the house, to get to the office. And uh, I was like, you know what, we're going to make it, we're just going to make it happen one step in front of the next. And it was great. I have to say, I, I don't think I could have done this in any other company. There were tons of stones being thrown in terms of family and friends and judgments, but never here at Vector. Uh, nothing but support encouragement, belief, and uh, that made a huge difference. I mean, I don't think I could have gotten through it without, you know, that kind of uh, people backing me versus saying, hey, you know, uh, you know, maybe we should go a different direction than having you run a district here uh, or maybe slow down my advancement, you know, potential in the company or any of those kind of things. But never did I ever feel that pressure or feel that weight and uh, nothing but just support. And, and it was crazy times. I and mean, I remember taking Addison to the office. I mean, literally setting up playpen in my private office, you know, and heart monitors be going off. And I'm in the middle of a, you know, interview or, you know, middle of PDI or whatever it was I was doing at the time. And I have to have, sorry, I got to go check, gotta put this, make sure everything's okay over here. Uh, in running interviews. And, you know, she's in the, I've got her in the car seat. I'm rocking. Talking around the desk while I'm running interviews and writing on the whiteboard, I'm holding her one arm right with the other. I mean, you know, just did it as a team, you know, just made it work. And uh, I look back at that now, I just go, 
man, it was uh, a lot of support, a lot of prayer, a lot of Dr. Pepper, a lot of late nights and all, you know, obviously uh, newborn with complications and everything else. I mean, you know, you're up every up every hour, you know, and, uh, and yet, you know, come back and you, and you go again. And, uh, but it all worked out, you know, at the end of the day, the people that I was working with stepped up, the people that I was managing and the, the team that I was working through, they, uh, they embraced the, the challenge. We had such a great culture. You know, I learned to prioritize and learned to time manage in a whole different way. Uh, there were so many things that came about in that time of, of challenge that made me better, that made me stronger, and it made the other people around me stronger too. I mean, I think every one of my assistant managers uh, during that time went on to either become a district manager or a division manager or an ADVM. We ended up winning the Silver Cup champion that championship that year. I mean, all things worked out through that challenge. You know, much like it did even with the at the beginning of my Cutco career. You know, paid for the Porsche, paid for college, it all worked out. You know, got through this challenge in, in similar fashion and, and and many others since then. It's a great place to uh, to be because uh, life business has challenges. I mean. It's great to be at a place, though, where uh, you can be supported, embraced, and encouraged, and be given the help and tools and skills to get through it. And uh, and that's kind of, uh, I think that's a big part of why I'm still here today, because I'm helping a lot of other people do the same. Yeah, definitely, you are. The, uh, the lesson about time management and prioritizing, I think that's something that's valuable for a lot of people, particularly a lot of young people. And when I had a kid... I think the first thing that, that I realized was there were a lot of things I was doing that weren't really important in the long run. They weren't contributing value to my life that I would look back on 10, 20, 30 years later and say, oh, I wish I had done more of that. Right. And I started doing different things. Right. You know, did, did you find, is that one of the important elements of time management and prioritizing that you found when you had kids? No, without a doubt. Uh, no, yeah, of course. I mean, because as a single dad, you can't like, you know, can't put in a 12 hour day with your kid up there, you know, and eventually I was able to, to, you know, she got healthier six months down the line. I was able to bring in a part-time nanny and so forth, but you also can't have a nanny watch your kid for 12 hours a day either. <laughs> so, so yeah, you know, you have to figure out what matters the most. You have to learn how to build and develop other people so that you can, you know, not affect the support that your people need, but also not, you know, affect the support that your family needs. And so you find a way to work as a team and uh, prioritize the things that matter most and make sure that, you know, nothing falls through the cracks, but you can't do it all yourself. And that, my dad always said, if you can run the whole business yourself, you're not running a very big business, you know? So I think it really did help me to understand how to scale the business, scale your staffing, and to be able to have your cake and eat it too. I think that's that's one of those early lessons we learned right at the beginning of uh, my Cutco career is here you can have your cake and eat it too. And uh, it just went on to validate that more and more every year that I've been in the business that you really can. You can have anything you want here. You can build any kind of life you want here. And, uh, and there's a way to do it. You've spoken about about role models. You've spoken about the culture you were part of, the supportive atmosphere, all the great things about you know who you had around you in those early days. What are some of the elements of culture that you're trying to build in in the Southwest region? What are some of the lessons that you learned that you're trying to take forward, sure. you know, with uh, your current team, with your current people? Well, I think you know one of the things I do love about our business is that 
I think a lot of the our philosophies and a lot of the lessons that we've either learned or experienced or uh, or figured out throughout uh, our time here, you know, we're, we speak from experience. So I think it gives you a lot of confidence when you are building a culture that it's not just some speech that you heard from somebody else or some book that you read that you know just gave you inspiration, but you know, we live in here, and you know, and that's what I love about Vector is that we actually preach from what we've actually experienced. And so, I think the culture that I am proud of here in our region is I think we do have high expectations for ourselves and for our people. You know, I think every single person that works for Vector it gets pushed outside of their comfort zone. I think that we can always accomplish so much more than we think we can. And so since we can accomplish more, I think there's a culture of trying to push one another to expect more and to go after more. And I think that goes both ways, not just me sharing that, but I think it's even my team sharing that with me. I think we we push each other and we push each other up and we grow uh, the business together. And I, I think there's a great synergy that we have that, that focuses that way. I also think that I also think that there's also, a, I guess, a badge of honor of taking responsibility. And so many of the people that we work with are, that first start with us, I think they expect a lot of things to be handed to them. I think they feel entitled to success or that things will just work out. And I think there's a, a great uh, culture of taking responsibility, uh, of working hard, uh, of giving your best, uh, of not giving up when it gets tough. Um, you know, and not giving up, not just on yourself, but not giving up on your people. And I think those are things that have really bode well for, uh, for the success of our people and, uh, and for who we are today. And I think the, the messages that we're giving to the people who are coming up in our, in our business right now. Yeah. Oh, there's so many good nuggets that you just shared right there, Lloyd. And, and, and I, I really like the point you made about how the, the people around us are doing great things and they're showing us that we can be better. We can do greater things in our own life. And then how we push each other forward uh, to achieve those things. I, I was listening to a, an old Jim Rohn audio just, uh, it was either yesterday or the day before. And he said something along the lines of, um, if you can do better, you should. And not by working more, but within the amount of time that we allot to our work. If we can be doing better, we should do better. We have an obligation, a responsibility to do better so that we set an example for others, so that we inspire others. And I think that people in Vector embrace that. And the competitive spirit in the company is such that people really want to try to move ahead and, and do the best, truly do the best that they can with the time that they have. And, and, uh, it creates a, a high level of success that, uh, that I've really enjoyed being around. As you look ahead, Lloyd, in your, you know, next five, 10 years, what's exciting to you? What's motivating to you looking ahead in your career, looking ahead in your life? Well, I've been so blessed already, Dan. I mean, I, I honestly, I mean, I feel like I've lived uh, multiple lifetimes already uh, in terms of uh, experiences and blessings and, and, and things that uh, I've uh, had a chance to already experience in uh, in just these 32 years. You know, people ask me sometimes, they're like, you know, are you going to sell knives forever? When are you going to do something else? And, uh, you know, it's so funny because... Uh, when people pose that question to me, I, I have to laugh a little bit because I'm, I love what I do. I mean, 
I love the people that I work with. Uh, I love the, the, the difference I get to make in people's lives. Uh, I love the challenges that we face and, you know, the, the racking your brain to come up with uh, a better mousetrap or to come up with, you know, a better way and to uh, continue to advance and to uh, grow. And I, I, I'm still learning. I mean, you know, my dad said to steal everything, but, you know, I, I continue to learn every year. It just, you know, keeps getting better. We keep getting better. We keep learning more. And I love the people I work with. I mean, I, I just can't imagine that I can find what I have here anywhere else. And look, if I want to start something else or do something else, it won't be at the expense of, uh, of being here. I really love what I do. And, and I love the fact that we genuinely change lives and save lives. I mean, literally, not just figuratively, but literally. I mean, there are, there are so many people that I work with, not just here at Vector, but also uh, youth that I work with in, uh, I teach religious education to junior high and high school kids. And, you know, I see so many young people out there who are lost. They're in so much confusion and stress and they're overwhelmed. Uh, and there's so many pressures upon themselves and, and culture's telling them, society's telling them so many different messages of who they should be and what they should think. And, you know, they're trying to conform and they're struggling. And, you know, it's amazing to know that there's a need out there and that we have a vehicle that we get paid for that can make a difference. And, you know, if you see people drowning, you see people whose lives need saving, you can't just stay in the boat and go, I'm comfortable, I'm going to do whatever, I'm going to, you know, I've helped long enough. There's a need here. So as long as there's a need, and as long as I can continue to give back and continue to uh, help others uh, learn skills for life, learn how to make it and navigate through uh, the challenges of life and, and learn how to gain skills that can help them be better parents or better husband and wives or better siblings or kids, whatever. I mean, you know, there's just the things that we learn here, the principles, the great people we have around us. It's, uh, it's too much to, uh, to keep. Uh, to ourselves and uh, needs to be shared. So uh, we'll keep doing that for as long as uh, there's a need. Yeah, there is definitely a need for what Vector and Cutco is doing. I think that for young people, organized education provides a lot of valuable information, a lot of valuable experiences and connections, but there certainly is a huge deficit in what organized education provides that it's necessary to succeed in the real world. Right. And you and I were both lucky to come into a place where there were people who understood that, who exposed us to that at 17 years old. I was also 17 right. when I started. And um, I think that's really lucky that uh, we have that opportunity. I find it strange or interesting when people ask me, so how's the knife business? And I don't really think of myself as being in the knife business. <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, of course, like, you know, selling Cutco is the end goal of what we do. Right. But we're in the business of impacting people. We're in a people development business that Absolutely. teaches people all the things they need to be able to take whatever goals they have and whatever level of education they have and then spin that into, you know, a good lifestyle and, and something great. And so, you know, Lloyd, whenever anyone uh, that you know asks you, that question, how long, you know, are you, you going to keep selling knives? You know, how, 
when are you going to do something else? (laughs) I think, I think you can tell them I am doing something else because you are doing something else, Lloyd, and and you have been a pillar in our company for many years, a national champion running an office as a division, as a region manager, and just, uh, as a man, and, uh, and as a human being, and I just want to acknowledge you for all that, Lloyd. I really appreciate being able to get some time with you today. And is there anything else you'd like to add uh, before we wrap this up? You know, Dan, I just appreciate the time. And uh, it was fun to recollect and to share and, and uh, excited to uh, continue to uh, make the most of, uh, of today. And, uh, and every day is a blessing. And uh, it's just great. It's great to be here. And uh, it's great to sharing this business with you and thanks for all the great work you're doing here to uh to just expose uh how we feel about this great company and uh, and kind of what it's like to live here in uh in this vector world in this cutco world and uh it's great i mean uh, as a matter of fact three of my kids have actually been exposed to, to the vector experience and uh as great as i would love to say that tammy and i are doing as uh, as parents there are things that they got from this business that they didn't get from us even though we're teaching others to do it there's a difference between <laughs> doing it and being in it and just hearing about it or learning it even at home. Although I will say it's, it's made a big difference in our parenting and in our raising of our kids. But I think everybody needs what we've got. I think everybody needs those skills for life. I think everybody needs that, that ability to take, like you said, that knowledge from college, you know, and be able to apply it. You know, that's the missing piece. And I think that's the power of what uh, Vector provides. And uh, anyway, just really grateful. And uh, thanks again for letting me share some of my thoughts and my experiences. uh, And uh, we'll look forward to catching up soon. Awesome, Lloyd. Thanks again. Appreciate it. You got it. All right. That was Lloyd Reagan, everyone, our national champion region manager in the Cutco Vector Marketing sales organization. How about that story, right? A family of incredible means growing up with that and then losing that, having to work his way through UT Austin, finding Cutco, getting started as a manager, and then shortly thereafter that, becoming a single dad, taking Addison with him to the office on a regular basis, experiencing all of what went into that particular challenge And of course, turning himself into one of the all-time greats in the history of the company. Remember that story when you ever have one of those why me moments where you're lamenting some challenge in your life. I really love where Lloyd said, we speak from experience here. Everyone in Vector has started as a sales rep and risen through the ranks based on their performance and has real life experience working with people, overcoming obstacles, learning to manage their emotions, truly getting a hands-on education on how to succeed in life. And in developing that real-life experience here, if you move on, you can take the elements of culture, the beliefs, the attitudes, the habits that make for a successful Cutco business, and you can translate those over to make great businesses elsewhere. I am grateful to be able to work with leaders like Lloyd. Every Monday on this podcast will feature another current Cutco great. Midweek episodes will feature an illustrious Cutco alum. Every guest on this podcast is changing lives through their positive influence on the world. And anyone listening can do the same. That is my challenge to you all today. Thanks for listening. 
If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.